Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast with myself, Conor McGilligan, and I am joined by your Manchester City writer. No, not Simon Barkowski. It is Joe Bray. I've transferred him in for this one because I'm interested to hear Joe's thoughts, of course. We like to change it up here on the Talking City podcast. Um, so, first of all, uh, Joe, how are you doing, mate? Everything had a good week? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, I think Cy was in Greece, wasn't he? And it looks like a good game and a good a good trip, but he also said that he finished at the stadium at 2am in the morning and it was stifling heat and he had to work through the night and get a flight back. So um, I wasn't too disappointed that he got the nod for that ahead of, uh, ahead of the rest of us. Yeah, 100%. Um, I asked him actually for a review after the, after the game because that's what we do at the Manchester Room News. I pester Joe and I pester Simon <laughs> for a little bit of a review after the game. We got Joe's, thank God, but I thought there's no chance I'm going to pester Si when he's out there and he's, and he's sweltering <laughs> heat and he's thinking to himself, I've got to get all this sort of stuff uploaded on the MEN. So, uh, yeah, but hey, listen, mate, going to Athens, I was asking him on the last pod, actually, I was saying, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to the Acropolis? Are you going to go to the Gulf? What are you going to do? And he said, mate, I won't have time, to be honest. <laughs> This is it when you when you go on these trips. It's you know it's it's nice to be in the places, but at the same time you, you've got a lot of work to do and uh, the, the games take up a lot of time. So uh, you know it's tough, isn't it? It's tough. Yeah, it's not the glitz and glamour we all think, <laughs> is it, Joe? Um, but getting on to all things City, obviously there was a reason that Simon was out in in Athens and City took on Sevilla, won the game on penalties. Um, Joe, I was I was. I was I was reading your tweets through the game, mate, and obviously keeping up with the blog on the Manchester Evening News and and watching the game. And it was um, a sort of weird one, really. I, I don't know. You you always know in these games that severe are going to be a problem. They've been a, a huge problem in Europe for any side for the for the best part of a, of a decade now, haven't they? So we know that's going to happen. But um, the way they were they were breaking through City at points, it, it, it was quite alarming. Obviously, it's a bit of a new feel to this City side. I mean. They got the job done, but what was your reflection on on the game as a whole? I'm going to try and be positive because that video I sent you, and I've done a couple of like other podcasts and stuff. I've been a bit negative about the city performance, <laughs> but they came back with the cup, didn't they? And that's all they needed to do. And considering they had so many players out, I mean, for example, in the Champions League final, five starters from Istanbul were missing in uh, in Athens. So, and they weren't just any old starters, it was your captain Gundogan, De Bruyne, Bernardo, Diaz and Stones. If, if you take those players out of any side, it's going to be weaker, isn't it? So, yeah, it wasn't the best City performance we've ever seen. It looked like they weren't properly fit. It looked like a few players hadn't played as much as others. It looked like they were playing in 35 degree heat at 10, 11 o'clock at night. I think we've got to take all that into account. And like you say, Sevilla, know what they're doing in Europe. I mean, City beat them very comfortably twice last season in, in the Champions League. But I remember being in Seville and Guardiola before that game said, we dream of having Sevilla's record in Europe because they are so good. 
and he, he positioned Sevilla as higher than City because at that point City hadn't won the Champions League. They'd struggled, mm. and Sevilla have a very very good record, don't they, in in the uh, Europa League? So I think they showed why they win those trophies and and are so good. Uh, they picked City off on the counter attack a few times. They scored a very good goal. Um, that just broke through the lines. It wasn't a good goal for City to concede because it went from goalkeeper straight to the centre circle, then out wide and then across into the box. It, Guardiola will not be happy with that at all. But it was a very good, well-worked goal from from Sevilla's point of view. And um, it was just another example of, of taking advantage of the sort of inexperience in that City side. You could see Ennisiri move. He pushed Akanji out of the way, moved in between Ake and Guardiola, who was making his debut. Those two players obviously haven't played together and planted his header in the bottom corner. So I, th- I think they were a bit more streetwise, but City did well and deserve credit for, for coming back into the game. And I mean, we'll talk about Cole Palmer, but he was very, very good. Um, yeah, I think City did what they have to do. And they also scored five out of five penalties, which is unheard of for a City side. And especially after the Community Shield where they missed two out of three, it was uh, t- to win a penalty shootout and, and lift another European trophy is uh, not to be sniffed at. So yeah, let's stay stay positive rather than the, the negativity I've, uh, I've had around that game for the last couple of days. Yeah, and who wants to win penalties in a glorified <laughs> friendly, Joe? You want to win it where it matters, don't you? So um, that's that's what I've been telling myself anyway. So yeah, I think I think you you make a nice little segue point there. Cole Palmer, who was once again another standout, um, someone who's really coming to the party at the minute. I mean, me and Sai were talking about it on the last pod, and it's don't know really what they're going to do with him. Um, it's it's obviously with with potential links elsewhere, which we all know about. Jeremy Doku has been spoken about quite a bit. Um, that you do wonder what they're going to do with Cole Palmer, don't you? Is he going to feature? Is he going to be that replacement for Riyad Mahrez, or is he going to go elsewhere? But but as as we've spoken about prior, you know, after the game, he was saying that you know I want to play regular football. So Man City have got a decision to make, haven't they, Joe? Yeah, it's really tricky. I think last season was the year where the season before he'd come on and had a, a good couple of performances and scored a couple of goals, and there was a lot of hype about him. Then he gets a full time role in the first team, and I just Every time he came on, I was sort of urging him to to do what he'd done for the academy and take the players on. But I think he was trying to do what Guardiola wanted him to do rather than what his instincts were telling him. A little bit like Jack Grealish when he first came in. He'd get sort of his, his defenders backpedalling and then play the ball back and the momentum's lost a bit. And he didn't come on and affect many games. And it was it looked quite easy to defend against him. And then at the end of the season, he gets a run after City have won the Premier League and he looks quite good again and he gets an assist and he's he's playing more to his strengths and he does the same in, in pre-season. And now he's, I mean, he's gone away and scored the deflected winner in the European final for the under-21s. He's scored a very, very good goal in the Community Shield. I think his header against Sevilla was probably one of his best goals for City and not because it was spectacular or anything because we know he can score lovely curled finished spectacular goals but it was he he moved Erling Haaland out of the way he shouted at Haaland said no this is this is my ball and he just cushioned it into the bottom corner and it it was a clever thing I I think Guardiola said before the game he was like we need him to do the simple things right he actually said the simple man that he is or something like that and I'll give him uh, the benefit of the doubt that that's broken English but he basically said just do the simple things right and I think he did that um, and he got the man of the match in a Super Cup final and this is where you think right go on build on this and then he comes out and says well if I'm not going to play then I might have to leave and Guardiola says he's not going out on loan and he's either going to stay or he's going to um, leave permanently and 
it feels like he's built up a bit of momentum and now he's at a stage where he's got to make a decision and there is a, a chance for him with Riyad Mahrez gone and De Bruyne injured where there is going to be options and, and minutes available on that wing, assuming that Bernardo is one of the players who will play more centrally mm. to cover for De Bruyne. That's an opportunity for him, but then, I mean, De Bruyne will come back and Bernardo will go back to the wing and he's not playing again. So I can see where he's coming from if they bring in someone like Doku or or someone else in the last couple of weeks of the transfer window. He's He's got a decision to make, but I don't know. Guardiola says alone isn't an option. For me, that alone to somewhere like the Bundesliga or, or Spain seems like something that would suit him. He can play regularly, do what Tommy Doyle and James McAtee did last season, show what he can do and then come back. But if that's not on the cards, then it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it would be a, you know, when you're scoring, it, you're scoring a goal in the Super Cup final, you know, your performances are getting better and better and better and you're on like a bit of an upward trajectory at mm-hmm. the minute. I'm, I'm with you. It's a bit odd for me that there doesn't seem to be that crying out loan option for him you know it's obviously you know City are very very specific with who they loan their players to as well like like we know well but yeah for it to just be a permanent transfer potentially or or nothing um it it seems a little bit I don't know it's it seems like City could get a lot more out of that player and 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 sending him out as a permanent transfer you feel like that maybe could be a, a a rare City mistake I mean, when they sell these players, they all always have buyback options, don't they? And true, true. I mean, you look at Romeo Lavia, who's just been announced as a Chelsea player. There was a buyback option on that, but City will take the the sell-on clause instead. If if uh, Palmer did go, you would be very confident that there would be a buyback option, and if he does well wherever he goes, they would have that option. But say they sell him for—I'm just plucking numbers out of my head here. Say they sell him for thirty million. The the trend of players leaving and doing well, Lavia has just gone for sixty they would have to buy him at a much higher rate than, than they sell him. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting one and, and it feels like he's he's finally getting noticed and, and making an impact. But, yeah, what happens to him, I, I don't know. And what the right thing is for him, I also don't know. And there's interest from the Premier League. So you look at somewhere like, I don't know, again, plucking a random name, Brighton, that feels like it could be a really good place for him to play football. But... Brighton are going to be pushing the top five or six this season again. So, do you want to hand them a, a weapon that that helps them, you know, potentially, you know, rival City in in the, for mm. what they want to do this season? I don't know. So, it, it's a really tricky one and uh, probably one to watch in the last couple of weeks because it, it's crept up on me this deadline. It's it's coming up <laughs> in less than two weeks now, and City have got quite a lot to do. Yeah, it always seems to creep up, doesn't it? I mean, one thing that. City fans and obviously, you know, we as people who, who cover City are, are obviously, you know, gutted with is, is Kevin De Bruyne because, you know, we all love watching him play. He's a, he's a mesmeric footballer. Him being out for such a, a long period of time, Joe, it's... I mean, you, you always feel like City can get through these phases, but with Kevin De Bruyne, the impact he had last season, especially in the latter half, you know, after Pep Guardiola had his famous uh, words to say about him in the press conference... It feels like that is naturally and always going to be a huge void, isn't it, in this Man City side? I mean, what are your general feelings on him being missing for such a prolonged period? I think the only positive is that it's at the start of the season. Mm. We saw how effective he was at the end of the season when, by his own admission, he was playing with a, a broken hamstring. He, he'd he got City through those Champions League games and, and those Premier League games to to win the, the, the title and the, and the European Cup. So... 
to lose him now, City can get through and then he will return when City generally uh, get their act together in sort of the, the autumn months and, and winter months. So that's a positive, but we saw what happens without De Bruyne in the Super Cup where it just looked a little bit disjointed. There was no one taking that ball from midfield to support Erling Haaland and Phil Foden got the nod in number 10 and we all want to see him play in midfield and, and do really well and this is an, uh, an opportunity for him to play there. And he was supporting both of his wingers in that sort of roaming role, but he just left Erling Haaland completely isolated and Haaland didn't have a shot on target or I think he had one shot that was blocked in, in the whole game and you want more from from Haaland, but it's up to the midfielders to get the ball to him and, and De Bruyne is always looking for him. Um, and I think it will be quite difficult for the combination of Foden, Kovacic and probably Julian Alvarez to do that because... There's not an obvious replacement. Bernardo can play there, but as we've said, he's probably going to be needed on the right wing as well. So it feels like there's a gap. And, uh, you know, Guardiola said he might have to go back into the market. And you can understand why, just not just on the basis of the Super Cup, but you look at those players who can play there and there's no one who does what De Bruyne does. And yet there are players who do some of those things and Guardiola called him irreplaceable. And I think he's absolutely right. It'll, it'll just be uh, interesting to see who does that? It might mean that Julian Alvarez, for example, gets gets more games, but he's one who stays close to Haaland and sort of leaves a gap to midfield. So it'll probably depend on game by game what happens and it'll be interesting. But yeah, how you replace De Bruyne is, uh, is a very difficult question to answer, isn't it? Do you know what's interesting who you didn't mm-hmm. properly mention there? Um, why do you not mention Phil Foden centrally out of interest? See, I would like to see him play there, but every time Guardiola's been asked about him this season, he sort of poured cold water on it and said, oh, well, yeah, Phil can play there, but he can play somewhere else. And, you know, we were expecting Foden to really play centrally after what he did at the end of last season and in the Champions League final. And he played there a couple of times in pre-season. And then Guardiola, you just see that you get the mood from from the manager Mm -hmm. that he's not convinced yet. And maybe he would want to trial Foden there with someone like De Bruyne and with that experience. So, um Listen, Foden can go and play there, and for the next three months, might be the best number ten in the world. But it just the mood that feels like he's coming from Guardiola is that he doesn't trust Foden there yet. And I would say from the evidence of the Super Cup, yeah, there were a lot of mitigating factors, but he didn't do what De Bruyne does, and you felt like he would be better suited on the wing. So it, I think that's going to be one to watch of of where Foden plays, and without. Riyad Mahrez without Gundogan, without De Bruyne now. I think where Foden fits into that side is going to be a really interesting point to sort of follow over the next few months. Yeah, I agree. I just think it's it's almost, it's that story, isn't it? It's that arc where it's like, obviously with yeah. De Bruyne being out, it's, it's, it's perfect for Foden, especially after the, the final, like you said, and how good he was. It's like, this is the time, but still Guardiola doesn't seem convinced there. And it's, with the age he's at, it's almost like there needs to be a breakout season at some point. You feel mm-hmm. like this maybe could be that gap. Yeah, and maybe there will be some games that are perfectly suited for Foden in that number 10 role. If there's you know, a low block from the defenders, if, they, if Foden can work those spaces as we know he can do, that could be a, an avenue for mm. him. The Sevilla game was a bit more open, wasn't it? And there was more space that he had to work and support both of his wingers. Like Cole Palmer needed help. He played very well, but he's a young player so needed that support and Grealish also needs players next to him as well so I just felt that City left um, Haaland isolated I think Grealish said that 
been moved Foden around. So instead of being sort of the right-sided centre mid pushing forward, they switched into the left in the second half and it made a little bit of a difference. But again, they still didn't get Ireland involved. So uh, no, mm. I can't tell you what the answer is, but on that, just on that 90 minutes, it, it didn't feel like Foden is is there just yet but we all know he can do it we all know he's he's got that quality and he did it in the Champions League final so it's not to say he can't do it at all Someone who didn't maybe do it in the Super Cup was Yosko uh, Gvardiol Joe Bray um, now <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of maybe irrational reactionary takes online about how he's a £77 million flop already Um it, it wasn't the best start for him, of course, but I think it's been very, very rare that you've seen any player come into a Pep Guardiola side and take off instantaneously. Yeah, I, I didn't see a terrible performance. I didn't see no. a great one, but it looked like he'd just been thrown in at the last minute and playing out of position. I think he said he doesn't, he can play left back, but he doesn't often play there, and we'll have to learn it. And I mean, Guardiola before the game said basically said he wasn't going to play. He said, you know, he's only trained four or five times and we're not going to train properly until after the Newcastle game. So that's, he didn't say it, but he basically said, suggested that he's not going to play until Sheffield United and then suddenly he starts and, and he's in the squad and maybe that was because of injuries. I mean, in, in the same day, an offer was accepted for Amerik Laporte. So maybe Laporte was going to be in that role and then it's just not the time to play him if, if you're accepting an offer for him. So I I thought he looked okay. I thought he looked quite good on the ball, good in in his short passing and and tight spaces and there were a couple of times he weaved in and out of danger and and kept possession and was pretty smart as we mentioned the goal wasn't particularly great he was a little bit culpable for letting Nasiri come around him and and win that header but no I I saw a player who is tidy on the ball found his teammates more often than not looked to come in midfield a couple of times even though I I doubt that was his main uh main objective. I think Guardiola said before the game he's going to make mistakes so we just have to wait for him to not make mistakes because he's going to learn which is again entirely understandable because he's yes he's 77 million but he's also is he 21? He's a young player and yeah, he's a player that City see in the squad for the next 10 years rather than a player who's definitely going to you know transform the defence and it might have been different if say John Stones and Ruben Diaz were there because they know that system perfectly You've got Ake and Akanji who've been shifted all over that back four playing in a centre-back pairing and it, it was probably like the sixth-choice centre-back pairing that City would field when without John Stones and, and Ruben Diaz. So, yeah, I'd, I've not seen much negativity about Gradiol, but I've this, it's not the first time I've been asked about his sort of poor performance, but I didn't really see that. I, I saw just a, a, an average debut and sort of a lot that City can work with. Yeah, and I think it wasn't like a standout, was it? Because I thought mm. a lot of the City players were pretty average by their standards. So it's not like, yeah. oh, Gvardiol's below average today. He's been he's been this, that and the other. He was almost as good, if not just below some of the, the standouts on the day, really. Yeah, that was it. And as we say, it wasn't a first choice City eleven. It He may well get more of his opportunities at centre-back in the future rather than left back and they were tired they were, you know it was very hot we keep saying it but all the players <laughs> mentioned how how tough the conditions were and it probably wasn't the easiest debut for him to get thrown into but also if you're going to do it 
play him in a game that isn't a, a league game and you know give him that time Guardiola says he will make mistakes so if he's going to do it in a in a cup final where they still win the cup anyway then it's yeah I don't see too many problems uh, I saw more positives to work with than the negatives from Guardiola yeah okay well that's going to be your <laughs> super cup reflection everybody hope you've enjoyed that and uh part two we're going to be speaking about Guardiola we're going to be speaking about if City needs to improve we'll see you on the other side When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. We're here chatting everything uh, Manchester City. And uh, I want to pose a question to you, uh, Joe. Um, to start off the podcast, um, I was speaking to you about the Super Cup, and now we're getting into even more reflection. Do City still need to improve in certain areas? We were speaking about Kevin De Bruyne, but we've also spoken about Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden, Cole Palmer even. There's so many players at City's disposal. Do you think they still need to go out there and make acquisitions or do you think at this moment in time, this almost squad that they've got is going to be fine going into the season? They just need to build around that in terms of getting played. No, I I think they definitely do need to get new players. I think the Super Cup showed that and it's just the, the lack of, not depth because City were without four key players and still won a cup and played a, a very good side, but you just, you see gaps in that in that squad we've spoken about the sort of De Bruyne replacement from within the squad Kovacic can do what Gundogan and De Bruyne did but not all in one complete package and so can uh, you know Phil Foden and Bernardo Silva but you get the feeling they need just maybe another body in in midfield and, and on the wing as well Cole Palmer did very well but he suggested he could still leave Guardiola hasn't confirmed that he will stay and you you're just looking at those players and Bernardo might be first choice on the right wing, but we're also talking about him being needed in the centre now and Phil Foden likewise will be shifted around and that's forgetting that Jack Grealish is the only left winger. What happens if he gets injured? And it just feels like another body who can move around feels like it will be needed. And I, I would say City are at the moment on paper weaker than they were last season because they've lost Mares and De Bruyne and... Yes, they've replaced them with uh, Kovacic and Gvardiol, but they're not like for like, are they? And the defence is pretty much sorted now. The the midfield, I, f- I feel, needs a little bit more time to reach the sort of the collective system that it had last season. So, no, I would say, and I think Guardiola agrees from what he's been saying, especially after De Bruyne's injury, that they need to go back into the market and, and get someone. If they don't, if they can't get someone, and we know that City won't pay, above the odds for anyone. Guardiola's talked about this sort of 10-15 million tax, so they're aware that they will be overcharged and they'll have to pay a lot of money. If they don't get someone, we know they can also manage at the same time. Guardiola will make it work, whatever happens. And there is a challenge, he's, he said two or three times now since De Bruyne's injury. It's an opportunity for someone else to come and show him 
why they can play in that position and what they can do. So uh, I'm not going to say sit here and say that Calvin Phillips is going to be a perfect replacement, but there is now more opportunity opportunity for someone like him to play in midfield. Can he do it? Is you, you're waiting for these opportunities, and some players will take them and and some won't. So I think they need something else for sure. Um, but I don't think it's the end of the world if they if they don't get someone. Yeah, and someone who you failed to speak about there as well, Joe, who slips the mind, uh, such mm-hmm. my mind a lot as well. It's Gundogan as well, isn't it? You know, you're looking at Gundogan, you're looking at, you're looking at, <laughs> you're looking at Gundogan, you're looking at obviously the players that you mentioned as well. It's 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 not just avoiding quality; it's also avoiding experience, isn't it? As well, and that is that's you can't just you do feel that it can't just be like Kovacic is the replacement in there, especially as we were speaking about in terms of that midfield complexion about maybe Pep not being too sure on Cole Palmer, not being too sure on Phil Foden. It's like it does need maybe someone to just tie it together a little bit or, or, or one or two to tie it together a little bit. Yeah, and what you lack with without Gundogan is that experience across three or four different positions. He's He's been with Guardiola from the start, so has Kevin De Bruyne. They can play defensive midfield, attacking midfield, false nine. If they were to play out wide, they would know what to do and, and come inside. Um, that is the sort of versatility that Guardiola wants. And of course, you're not going to get that from Mateo Kovacic because he's only just arrived. He's a very good player and he's shown glimpses of what he can do. Um, but I was asked yesterday why why they signed him and you know it's he doesn't look very good so far. And I was thinking, well, he's, he's not been terrible. He's not set the world alight, but he's done... He's shown what he can do in defence. He's shown that he can burst forward and there's been quite a few passes that have just fell short of Erling Haaland, yep. but the idea is there. So I think you can. there are players who can do it, but at the same time, they've. Uh, it's the experience of just knowing completely intuitively what they have to do. If they need to change position within games, they can do it. Gundogan and, and De Bruyne, they're going li- to miss that. And if we're going to see the defenders pushing forward again, the players like Rodri, Gundogan, De Bruyne know exactly where to be and how to adapt to that. And it will take time, of course, for Kovacic and even Phil Foden to to know what to do in, in those uh, those situations and, and adapt. So, yeah, it, I think it just needs time and we might see a, a situation where City do stutter for the first few months of the season. But as we know, they'll, they come alive, don't they? And when it all clicks, they're very hard to stop. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's easy to be a bit sort of negative and pick holes at the moment, but we are forgetting that the majority of these players have won the treble and know what they're doing and are very very good footballers. So I'm sure they will will make it work, even if it's maybe not as coherent as it was towards the end of last season. Yeah, I, I actually think Joe, I, I, you were just talking about it's you know it's easy to be negative and you're right, but I mean the the crazy thing is it's like I mean how can you be negative about this bunch? It's ridiculous, <laughs> like breaking records left, right, and centre. And I personally think, and I don't know about what what you think about this, but there's been a switch in mentality. I think you've heard Grealish speak about it, Kanji as well about you know how they're hungrier than ever. You've obviously seen the little things which you pick up on as as, as you cover City of like you know Erling Haaland going off at half time the other night and, and Guardiola were almost barking at him and there's there's a hunger there still and that not that there was a poor mentality whatsoever but it feels like there's a, there's a mentality switch now in terms of oh yeah we've we've won the treble like this can keep going like we are this good and I almost think that understanding is just going to aid City in terms of just getting better and better and better like inconsistency in football is just huge isn't it Joe and I, I just think that this side 
I, I firmly believe they're going to start the season actually quite strongly. And like you say, when De Bruyne comes back and maybe a few more additions come in, I think I think in a strange sort of way, the spotlight has been on Arsenal, obviously with the signings that they've made. But this Man City side, it just doesn't seem, the machine doesn't seem to slow down. Yeah, and there's a reason that every single pundit and fan is predicting City to win the league again because they know how to do it. And even when they look like they don't and they've lost players and every season they lose a key player, but they still manage to to find a solution. And, you know, they've they've won the league two years in a row without a centre-forward. So they can do it without an attacking midfielder, surely. It's, uh, yeah, it's. I think it's because City set the standards so high that we're saying, well, they're not as good as they were on the basis of a couple of early season games. Of course they're not, because A, it's the start of the season, and B, they were so good at the end of last season. So City not being as good as they were are still a very, very good side and one that everyone wants to beat. And you look at the Super Cup and the Champions League final, City weren't able to play their brilliant flowing football and they didn't get Erling Haaland involved in, in either game, really. They've still come away with two European trophies. They've, they've got that uh, mentality now that no one is going to beat them. And against Sevilla it wasn't clicking it wasn't going well they rode the luck a little bit but they kept going and when it mattered they stepped up in the penalty shootout when they've got a horrific record at penalties and scored five out of five and didn't really look like missing so um, yeah it's easy to look at that game and think oh well they didn't play that well but they've still come away with the cup and they've got two European trophies the the team that everyone wants to beat and uh, in the Premier League then everyone is if you want to win the Premier League you've got to beat City so it's yeah, as I say, let's be positive because City are the best team in the world and will continue to show that even if they've lost a couple of players. Yeah, and a lot of rumours at this moment in time about Bernardo Silva in potentially signing a new contract at Man City. How how imperative is that for the citizens going forward, Joe? I feel it's, it's, it's monumental, isn't it? It could be the signing of the summer, really, because we've, we've spoken about how... Uh, how big a loss he would be and we've reported uh, colleague Simon Bajkowski's reported that he's on the verge of signing a new contract which is huge because every summer for the last three or four years really he's he's been wanting to leave and being open to leave and it, it's a it's a situation that I think is mutually respectful because City have said right if you come with an offer you'll be allowed to leave and Bernardo's when he's not been allowed to leave has, has continued the season and given 100% but he was critical to the uh to the treble winning season and playing on that right and he kept Riyad Mahrez out his his sort of energy on that right as a winger but also coming inside and supporting the other players I think there was a I can't remember the exact number of games but against you know Inter Milan Real Madrid Bayern Munich Liverpool Arsenal all these big games that City needed to win uh, Manchester United in the cup final as well it was Bernardo Grealish De Bruyne Gundogan Rodri in all in the same side and they won those three trophies because of those players and Bernardo was a, a big part of that. So, I mean, you look at how he played against Real Madrid in that home game, he was unstoppable that day. Um, so keeping Bernardo, especially with the loss of uh, Gundogan and Mahrez and now the injury to De Bruyne is uh, is absolutely huge for City. So, yeah, they can, they can sign a new midfielder or winger. They can sign Kovacic or Gradiol, but I think Bernardo will be the uh, the, the most significant signature they get this summer yeah 100% I think his, his quality is just it's undeniable I mean I just remember last season when obviously they went down to Arsenal beat Arsenal in that crazy game 
and he was almost playing left back. And it's like he can he can yeah. drop in anyway. You see him dropping between the two centre backs, don't you, and picking up the ball. It's in a strange sort of way, it, it reminds me a little bit of that sort of free roaming role that Messi had under Pep Guardiola in that that Barca row eight side, where it was just you go and do what you want. And you feel like with Bernardo, he's just the classic example of just that midfielder doing whatever he wants, picking up the ball left, right, deep, you know, and the forward line, false nine. It just doesn't really matter, does it? He's that good. Yeah, and I spoke before about players sort of having that sort of intuition, like just that intuition of knowing exactly where to be and when the when the, the formation changes and the system changes, they adapt naturally. And Bernardo is a prime example of that, isn't he? You can, like you say, he played left back, he can play on the wing. His defensive midfield work is really really good as well when when he drops in there say Rodri's going forward or something he he is a really good defensive midfielder as well he he won't play there because Rodri is so good but um no I think I think Bernardo is sort of almost a perfect Pep Guardiola footballer isn't he and uh, if he, if he was to go anywhere else it would be a massive loss for City and you feel like he's at the best club and with the best manager to become even better as well don't we need Joe we just need to bring that that Lisbon sunshine to Manchester, and I feel I feel everything will be sorted for Bernardo. I think that that that'd sort him out. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's it, mate. That's it. That is as easy <laughs> as that. So, uh, right, guys, we'll leave it there for uh, Act Two. We're going to be back in Act Three, where we're going to be speaking fantasy football transfers and, of course, uh, score predictions for the weekend. Don't go anywhere. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Straight into it, Lucas Paqueta, Jeremy Doku. Uh, we spoke about players that Manchester City, you know, positions and profiles, I should say, that Manchester City potentially need going forward, Joe. Um, what I, I, I don't want, you know, obviously rumours and, and, and uh, are circulating about these these two players, but um, if you can give us an update on, on those, that'd be great. But also, I just want to hear your thoughts on both players and, and do you think they will be good acquisitions for this City side? Uh, I mean, in terms of an update, it, it just seems like City are interested, but it, it's dependent on a lot of factors, isn't it? And as we said, they won't be held to ransom by any club and they will have the valuation and City have been clear in the past that they will walk away if if uh, a team asks for too much, even if it is at the cost of a, a sort of a key position. So, yeah, it it feels, I don't know, just from the outside, more likely that they will get one of these players just because, or they will move for one of these players just because of the De Bruyne injury, and it, it's a bit more necessary now rather than oh yeah, we'd like them as in in the squad. Um, Paqueta's a weird one. He doesn't seem to me like a player worth that money. He's not a bad player by any stretch, but mm. um, he didn't he didn't strike me as a is it an, an eighty million pound player is, is is being reported. But if he comes in and fills that gap, we've spoken for half an hour about City needing someone to link the midfield and, and attack. If if Paqueta can do that, then it could be a, a pretty important signing. And if they get that player and fill that gap and win the Premier League, then it's it's worth the money, isn't it? And yeah, I think they need another winger. Um, I don't know too much about Doku, but if... I mean, City don't usually get it wrong in the transfer market, do they? And uh, I just think back to last season when um, when they went out and got Manu Akanji late on and no one had really... like We knew about him, but we, he didn't seem like a, 
a top level Champions League winning player and then he has a, a storming season so yeah I, I think it's a, a case of wait and see but Guardiola seemed a bit more open to going back into the market after the De Bruyne injury and he said he'd have a, a chat with uh, Cheeky and, and see what can be done so yeah I think while City like to usually get the work done at the start of the, the summer you can't do that nowadays Guardiola's mentioned Saudi Arabia being sort of a, a factor as well I think we'll be uh, seeing a bit of bit of movement, whether it comes to anything or not. But I, it doesn't feel like City's business is done. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I'm I'm in complete agreement with you. Doku sort of reminds me, in a sense, of early Raheem Sterling, just how rapid he is, um, mm-hmm. and 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 a good, you know, close control dribbler. And um, it's interesting that because I guess when you look out wide now for Man City, there's not that raw you know just like terrifying pace that maybe they they once had you know when with with Raheem Sterling and they never really obviously replaced that profile they've got obviously Erling Haaland who off the turn is ridiculous but um it's interesting that that they might just go for that out and out pace it's I guess it's another another sort of sort of way that City are going to get behind maybe a, a rigid back line yeah well I mean last season Jack Grealish pretty much had the left wing lockdown but he can go direct if you ask him to and it seemed like sometimes they play Phil Foden as a winger to try and get a bit of pace uh, in an attack. Other times they'd go with Grealish and Bernardo or Grealish and, and Mares, and that was a lot of a slower build-up where both would come inside and slow the, the attack down. Now now Mares has gone, Foden might be moved more centrally. It seems like that slower attack is sort of the only real option that, that City have. Grealish on one side, Bernardo or Palmer on the other cutting inside as as they naturally do so it could be just another option for City if they do get a player who wants to reach the byline just to do that I mean in mm. pre-season we saw Kyle Walker sort of being used as the the pace outlet on the right wing and he's, he can do that but he's also primarily a, a right back so uh, yeah I would say having another option in attack is is something that Guardiola often likes so it would it would make sense in that regard the Paqueta thing's unusual as well, isn't it? It's like the valuation you see, and it's like obviously they paid 100 million for Jack Grealish, but that was a release clause. Mm-hmm. Very, very uncity like uh, to pay that sort of money, you'd expect. Normally, it sort of is around about the 40, 50 million, 60 million max when you're looking at City. Obviously, the the, the, the bargains that they brought in last season as well, Akanji being the prime example for about 15. It's very, as you were just saying, Joe, very uncity when it comes to evaluation, isn't it? It is, and but I, I feel like if he was worth forty million, you'd say, Do you know what, that's a good signing. Um, it also feels like valuations have gone up quite a lot. I mean, Chelsea have just they paid about hundred million three times now, haven't they? In uh, <laughs> in about twelve months, and Declan Rice is a hundred million, and every time one one of those players moves for that amount of money, then I'd imagine everyone else's valuations go up as well at the same time, and yeah. It's probably going to be one of those where West Ham don't need to sell. City need a player. Guardiola said people always add on 10, 15 million when City come come calling. So, yeah, it's it's not the end of the world. City made quite a lot of money in in the transfer window this season through sales and uh, sell-on clauses and a couple more could still go. So I don't think it's the worst fee they'd ever pay, but even a couple of years ago when City... Uh, they don't really pay over 60 million 
it feels like now they've paid 77 for Guardiola and potentially a similar amount for Paqueta. It, yeah, I think it does feel a bit un-City-like. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, so I guess that, that might influence my um, fantasy football picks for this weekend. I don't know if Sai told you this, Joe, but I had mm-hmm. I had an absolute hellish week when it came to Man City. I had St- I had Kevin De Bruyne. Oh no! And there was another one, <laughs> wasn't there? There was another one who was 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 injured. Was it was it was it Diaz? Am I going mental? There was three of them that were all Diaz didn't play. Out. No, was it not Diaz? <laughs> there was one of them. I can't remember who else it was. Stones. Was it Stones? Have I said Stones? Stones. Yeah, Stones Kevin and Diaz weren't in the squad. Yeah, yeah. I had an absolute shocker. I had an absolute shocker. So I need to fill those. those. I might I might go a Kanji. What what what's your what's your City tip? Going forward, because I've got I've got Haaland in there, but yeah, I've, got, I've obviously gone for Haaland. I think I've stayed clear of other City players. I I was thinking oh, really? about De Bruyne, but with his injury, I thought I can get better value elsewhere, and I wanted to see how the defense plays out. And I, I was kind of glad I, I had Stones in for a while. I'm, I think I might still have Stones in, but uh, I was also kind of glad that I didn't go more on City. And yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see because you would put. Phil Foden in, but if, if he's going to play deeper, he's not going to be as mm. involved. So, yeah, my, my tip, it hasn't really paid off yet because I'm towards the bottom of the league after the first week, but uh, <laughs> it would just be to wait and see for to see who who is uh, preferred going forward. I don't know. I, ca- I can't really... You can't predict who's going to play, can you? Maybe Kyle Walker, but he doesn't get many many goals or assists. The, the rest of the centre-backs and full-backs are quite sort of fluid in, in how much they change the midfield you, there aren't many sort of point scoring options there because Rodri's the only one who's guaranteed to play so yeah I'm, I'm not too sure I can't really give you a tip I'm afraid I, th- I feel like the, the <laughs> solid choices are Arland who's going to score obviously every single week and then I feel like mm-hmm. a Kanji's going to play most games so I might just go with him as sort of like the clean sheet bonus I think he's cheap as well yeah. so I might just go with that <laughs> you, yeah. you know you'll do that and then Diaz and Stones will come back against Newcastle yeah. and he'll be no, on the that, bench And you are you are right in terms of why do you go for City players it's just daft there's yeah. no point there's too much rotation um, maybe I also I, I don't think I can see many clean sheets in that City side for the next few really? weeks I think until they sort of I mean I don't think they'll get a clean sheet against Newcastle because they're a very good side and maybe against mm. Sheffield United yeah but I I, I look elsewhere for uh, for clean sheets in, in fantasy football. Maybe that's why I don't win a lot because <laughs> City, City often win the league. But uh, I, I always feel like City are better. If I'm going to have a City player and use one of my three, I, I want to put them, put an attacker. But yeah, I've, I've only got Haaland at the moment. Maybe Grealish is the, the one because he seems to play. Yeah, I think he's league. he's guaranteed to start really, isn't he? I know he didn't start against Burnley, but you would expect going forward that he starts. Right. I'm going to... Um... I'm going to push you for a score prediction for this weekend, mate. Um, me and Sai shockingly didn't. I think I said Burnley won. I think I said three. I said three one. I think Sai said two nil. Um, so you could be the first one to get a score right. So what's your what's your prediction for this weekend, mate? I think Newcastle are going to be very tough. I think Guardiola's complained about the schedule and yes, sort yeah. of finishing the game on Thursday night and only playing Saturday. Obviously, it's because TNT Sports chose it and they have to play on Saturday. Um, I think Newcastle are the worst side they could probably face on the back of last weekend, aside from, say, a Manchester derby. Um, I think it'll be 2-2. I think Newcastle will be full of confidence and uh, cause a lot of problems. I think I don't think either defence will be that strong and I think City will be a little bit tired at the back. So, yeah, I'm going to say 2-2. 
Interesting. Yeah, it'd be some result for Newcastle, that obviously. But like you say, with the, I mean, City just always seems to find a way, like we've said. But I think this, I mean, even, I don't know if you've watched any of the Newcastle Amazon Prime uh, thing that they've got going on at the minute, <laughs> but it's quite good. But you, you just see throughout, similar to, similarly to when you saw throughout with the City documentary, the specifics, but Eddie Howe is so diligent. But the primary thing that he focuses on is fitness. Fitness is just huge for him. Mm-hmm. So, you do think to yourself, obviously, with Newcastle, with that that week break, City having a, an absolute arduous task of getting back from Athens after playing, like you say, in in what thirty five degree heat. It's going to be a real test on the players, isn't it? And I think it'll be interesting. Once again, it's a stumbling block, Joe. Where you thinking to yourself, the worst one of the worst teams City could play. But if once again they come through that with a win, it's it's another tick on 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 that sort of like marker, isn't it? Yeah, and no, like last season at a similar time, I think it was three games in, they went to St. James's Park and drew 3-3 and Guardiola had been saying for ages, watch out for Newcastle and people saying, oh, well, City haven't won here and that's a, a mistake. Looking back, that's a very, very good point, isn't it? And oh, yeah. I, I think I think a draw would be a good, a decent result for City because I think Newcastle are going to beat a lot of teams this season and they look a bit more complete at the start of the season than, than City do. So, yeah, I think, I think a... A score draw, so yeah, I'm sticking with my two-two. Good stuff. I'm going to go with the two-one um, City win because I'm sick of your negativity, Joe. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> I started by saying I'm going to be positive, and then I said I'm not going to win. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But everybody on on YouTube as well, let us know your uh, comments in the section below if you are watching this in living color. Quoting Dan Murphy, our other our other <laughs> host. Um, but guys, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for stopping on by. Uh, you can catch this on all your favourite podcast uh, providers, of course. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating and we'll be back on Monday to review Manchester City's game against Newcastle. Um, Guys, thank you so much and we will catch you in a bit. Cheers. Happy days.